All right, welcome back to episode 24 of the 20 Pages Book Club. On today's episode, uh, we go through a quick weekend recap, discussing what we did this weekend. Uh, we talk chapters 8 through 12 for 1453, our second meeting of the book. Uh, we give our thoughts on the book, see where this book stands thus far through our second meeting, and then we play Scriblio. So looking forward to another great meeting. Let's go. All right, welcome back, episode 24. Um, yeah, we got some stuff to talk about, so let's just get right into it. Uh, weekend recap. Kevin, start us off. Uh, kind of a chill-ish weekend. Went out Friday night. Was unhinged. Had to was recovered all day yesterday. It was, it was a rough, rough Saturday, but recovered yesterday. And then I went skiing with some friends today, so that was fun. Had to teach some people how to ski, which... It's hard to put, especially when you don't really know what you're doing, it's hard to put it into words. So it was just kind of like, hey, watch me try to do this. And then they couldn't do it. And then it was like, shit, I don't know how to teach you. So French but, fry pizza. Yeah. Was it French fry pizza? No, I was trying to turn. I've never had much success with French fry pizza, but good South Park episode. But yeah, besides that, not too much that went on here in Dubuque, Iowa. What about you, Chris? uh went and saw the zoo lights on friday with kylie it was uh it was fun a lot of the animals were sleeping which was unfortunate didn't get to see the penguins or the polar bears damn any rhinos no there there was uh i think they had an eastern black rhinoceros which is also endangered i think every subspecies of rhino is endangered at this point um saw gorillas but they were all sleeping saw a lion which was also sleeping <laughs> i don't know i don't know if we saw one mammal that was awake um and then yesterday had a little jujitsu holiday party which was uh which was a lot of fun um and then went to uh another friend's holiday pregame shout out and Semelhek, if you're probably not listening. Um, and Jared was there and some other friends and folks. And uh, it was solid. With that being said, I'll pass it off to uh, Jared. Yeah, kind of continue with uh, what Christian kind of let off of, I guess, yesterday. Spent the city and or spent the day in the city. Uh, Christian and Tyler's place. Uh, while Christian was at his jujitsu uh, party, we and Tyler went to go see Godzilla. Uh, or Godzilla minus one. Uh, I, I give my review. I thought it was a good movie. Definitely recommend going to see it, especially if you like Godzilla. Pretty intense. Uh, and then, yeah, went to the same party as Christian last night and thought I had a good time. Of holiday spirit. Um, and yeah, here at Book Club now. Would you guys? Oh, go ahead. Would you guys do after the uh, pregame? I didn't even ask. Oh, we went out to to Wrigleyville for like a couple hours. I think it was just like the same guys that were there, and then uh, 
bunch of hams friends uh, met us out there and then we went to taco bell like at like 2 a.m and and then just proceeded to like feast in your guys's living room the, uh, the taco like, bell next to our apartment is very dangerous that it place was, is it's a, it was a zoo <laughs> i and know it was crazy but yeah it kind of it did hit the spot though so shout out taco bell because i was fuck taco bell some have war story everyone has a taco bell war story at a certain point yeah um so i'm a big taco bell breakfast person which starting off your day with taco bell is probably one of the worst things that you can do but it's only up from there <laughs> that's that's true that's why i do it all right, I'll jump in. Uh, my weekend. Uh, <laughs> what did I do Thursday? Oh, I went out, I went out with uh, my girlfriend. We can start on Thursday. Well, I kind of sorted because I, did, I didn't really work Friday, so it started a Thursday night for me. Uh, okay. So I did uh, Chris Kendall Martin Wrigley uh, uh, and went inside Wrigley with my girlfriend. Um, she's back in Russia now, so for three weeks. So uh, going to be a sad three weeks, but it's okay. Um, you need a helping hand. Christian's just across the hall. That's yep. I I've already asked him. Um, Friday I had a holiday party for my work. Uh, you know we had our actual company party, and then we took a party bus back into the city, and then we went on a bar crawl for six hours. It uh, there are some disaster stories for sure. Um, I didn't embarrass myself, so that's all that matters. Um, uh, I had a pretty good showing, so, um, <laughs> thankfully. <laughs> There, there, there is some chaos. There's a good thing it only happens once or twice a year. That's what I'll say. Um, and then can I give us, uh, can you give us a stat line for you for the day? Like beers drank. Oh, stat line. Oh, it was coworkers flirted with. <laughs> I, zero. I can't say the same for some of my others. Um, a little, a little shocking. Some of the things that are said, but if any coworkers are listening, uh, yeah. Um, I would say, I would say, let's see, two Guinnesses. Four watermelon high noons. What a what a mixture here. And and <laughs> so five, two five whiskey and cokes. Oof. Damn. But Got this it. is this is over a lot of hours. This is a lot of hours. So uh I went home. Damn. I definitely was hungover in the morning. As Jared can attest. Um Brazil picked me up in the train station and then proceeded to fall asleep on the couch <laughs> like two hours. <laughs> I got up and then, for you though. Get this. We're at get this. We're at the movie theater and Brazil hasn't eaten anything the whole day. He's like worried about his stomach. Guess what he gets to eat? Like at the at the movie theater. Candy. Candy. It'll some form of candy. Sour sour patch gummies and a Slurpee. <laughs> He's like, I don't know if I don't know if my stomach's gonna do this. I was like, <laughs> I could tell you I could have told you that. Yes. I survived. I survived. But I don't know if it was the right choice. And I said that while I was ordering it. So I was conscious of my decisions. Well, anyways, matters. Uh, sounds like a good weekend for all of us. Godzilla minus one, I didn't touch on, but Jared had already touched on it. I kind of had the same feelings on it. I thought it was really good. Anytime Godzilla would do his nuclear blast thing, it was so sick. The movie did a really good job of doing that. Um, a monster movie with character development. That's all I'll say. Yeah, it's great. Why? Why do you call it Godzilla minus one? I don't know why the the title honestly is that. Oh, yeah. oh, that's the actual title. That's the title name. Yeah. I, I would just call it Godzilla, but I 
I guess the actual title is minus one. I don't know why. I gotta think of the uh, do you, thematic. Do you know why? Oh, I don't know. Oh, it's it's the it's the prequel minus one. Oh yeah, you're right. Maybe like because this is like origin story. I guess and maybe it's an origin story. I guess, but he kind of just kind of appears. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Huh. I'd have to look it up. Maybe you're right. Christian's probably on the right track. Anyways, um, we'll hop into chapter summers. Everyone good with that? Yeah, just as a reminder, each of uh, the members, we split up the chapters, so this is going to be a, uh, Get a, lot of a different, different voices. chapter summary. Yeah, you're going to see. Different narrators. If we ever do... Styles of writing. If we ever do a fiction book again, we should we should each voice a character. I was just about to say, what if we like one day wrote our own book with like all our own character, like we each had our own character, but God, that'd be horrible. Be so, diarrhea on yeah on paper. If we just recreate a story called like something called like two thousand pages or something, or like twenty million pages, because that's how many books we've read throughout the history of the book club. Giving our we write, we write a book about the book club. Success story. Chapter two: yeah. Trials and Turbulations. Um. All right. Chapter seven. Uh, that's where we're starting off. Meeting two. Um, is that where we're at right now? Is chapter two: Trials and Tribulations. <laughs> I think we're on our own. Get chapter three: Working towards resolution. <laughs> chapter three: Born from the fire. Um. Chapter seven. That's where we're starting for today's book. Four fifty-three. You're just confusing people. I don't know if people know what you're talking. <laughs> we're, about. we're on chapter seven. We're on chapter seven. Numerous as the stars. Uh, we're covering March through April of 1453. All right. The Ottoman strategy was to be quick and decisive, giving the Christian West no time to respond to the actions. As such, they made their calls to arms. Men take great honor in taking part in the army and honor to die on the battlefield, not wasting away at home. The European force met in Ardern and the Asian force met in Anatolia. The European force, under the leadership of Karaka Bay, set about quickly, dismantling the remaining strongholds out the, outside the city clearing the route to the city. On Easter Sunday, Constantinople waited in prayer. On April 2nd, Constantine could see the main Ottoman force in formation five miles from the city. With that, Mehmet stared across the way, positioned right in the middle of his army. The honorary and Elodian troops on his right, commanded by Mahmoud Pasha, the Christian and Balkan troops on his left under Ishak Pasha. Days passed as they prepared the cannons and siege equipment with that those within Constantinople could only look upon in wonder of the well-organized tent city that had been erected before them. It was a never-ending sea of people, and a plentiful amount of animals had joined them. To those within the city, the number of people was as numerous as the stars. While no number can be confirmed, um, Tataldi gave an estimate 60,000 soldiers and 200,000 in total. To those within Constantinople, it was simply a staggering amount. Constantine didn't have a hard time containing or counting the troops. He tasked his friend George Sfrantes with a task who delivered the news with gloom. They had close to 5,000 Greeks and 3,000 outsiders to help support their defense. A pitiful amount as compared to the sea of stars that sat outside their walls. However, there was some good news. The current state of the currents made sea invasion nearly impossible. That means they simply had to defend the land walls. We'll see how that ages. Both sides of the conflict knew the weak points of the wall that the walls contained. The first was the middle wall, a set of strategic gates that dipped into the valley, and Mehmet had positioned himself directly in front of this. The second was the Golden Horn, a sectional wall that the moat didn't cover. 
With this information, Constantine organized his army into 12 divisions, positioning himself right inside the Lycus Valley, directly across from Amet as to face him head-on. Joining him would be the best 2,000 soldiers. Constantine deployed a multinational force with commanders and soldiers from all over Europe. As such, he decided to intermix the groups as much as possible, in the hope that cohesion between the groups would grow. Outside of the groups, um, outside of the groups along the wall, Constantine also created two reverse groups, totaling a thousand men. They could be used as a rapid reaction force, depending on where along the wall that they were needed. With the preparations prepared, Mehmet sent his messengers to the wall. They presented the opportunity that they always provided. Those within the city could repent, convert to Islam, surrender, and commit to paying a tax, to which Constantine denied. To help combat the religious atmosphere, he deployed bishops to every part of the wall, sending a message to the Muslims across the way and boosting morale across the board. However, morale was not being helped by the weather. A series of minor earthquakes and torrential rain struck across the way. Mehmet used his own religious techniques to inspire his army, citing the prophecy that foretold the capture of Constantinople and the importance of the Holy War. One thing was clear, war was on the horizon. Constantine had Giovanni Ga... <laughs> Giostani, I don't know. Giovanni. Did that name threw me off so much? Gustiani. Gustiani. Okay, we'll go with that. Giovanni Gustiani, a man of great honor and experienced general. Mehmet had the men and the equipment to lay devastation. It was in this theater that war would commence. It's wow. an all-time name. It is an all-time name. Uh this is this is preparations for more. I think that's how I would uh say this chapter is I, I left a fun fact i'll read it really quick just because i love fun facts uh we live closer to constantine the 11th and mehmet than they did to constantine the first and also we live three times closer to them than they did to julius caesar the first roman empire emperor it's kind of when when did julius caesar exist like right before right like at like zero bc 80 like in that time frame like right before that started So we're way closer to the characters in this story than they are ever were to Julius Caesar. It's just kind of a fun fact to illustrate how long the Roman Empire Empire actually lasted. Yeah, if you would ask me, if you would ask me when Julius Caesar was around, I would have said at least one thousand. Yeah, older than that. Yeah, I would have. I would have maybe said after. No, no, we've read that. Met studied Julius Caesar, so I would have said before, but maybe like twelve hundred years earlier. Yeah. yeah. The more surprising one is that we live closer to Constantine the eleventh than he did to Constantine the first. That's it's pretty pretty wild. Pretty wild, guys. I know. Wait, our our Constantine in this book is Constantine the eleventh, right? Correct. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. Yeah, I didn't I didn't know that. I was just using context clues, hoping that it was. I was just making sure because I was like, I'm almost positive he's eleven. Um anyways. Um can't do Roman any thoughts on that chapter? I mean, it was just kind of preparations for war, laying the groundwork. I have a thought. Uh, I thought it was interesting how there's still some like gentlemanly nature to uh to the war here. Uh, I thought it was cool how Mehmet like sent messengers and was like, it obviously wasn't a fair offer. He wants war, but he's like, all right, here's this offer, laid it out on the table. And like they could pay the tax, they could convert to Islam, and they wouldn't be besieged uh, according to holy law. And otherwise, if the Ottomans won, then 
Mehmet would be obligated to allow his troops to pillage for like three days, two weeks, three days of pillage. Three, oh, three days, three days. So they they live by some sort of holy code still. Yeah, I think I think this really lays out how outnumbered the people in Constantinople were. And it was basically it was at least like eight to one, probably closer to like ten to fifteen to one. Yeah, but we soon find out that people people on his side on Mehmet's side just love to die. <laughs> they love <laughs> running not... straight into the their deaths. I can't say no. <laughs> That's sorry, true. All right, with that, I'll move to chapter eight. Um the awful resurrection blast. April sixth to the April nineteenth. The big guns were heavy. As a result, they took a while to arrive. On April sixth, Mehmet made his first attempt at the wall, firing his smaller guns. They did little damage, and the first assault group was repelled immediately. With that, he decided to wait. In the meantime, he tasked his mining groups with digging up to the wall, and infantrymen with plugging the fosse. Or it's a ditch. Mehmet turned his attention to the last few strongholds and captured them with minor resistance, impaling the survivors. By April 11th, his cannons were set. His largest, the Royal Gun, crafted by Orban, who's the Hungarian, positioned right in front of his tent, targeting the St. Romanus Gate. On April 12th, the world's first coordinated artillery attack took place. The following moments were a spectacle. The first group shook as if an earthquake had occurred. I'm sorry, the ground shook as if an earthquake had occurred. A thunderous sound echoed for miles, and flashes of light evaporated the sky. Most importantly, the wall was being demolished. Throughout history, the wall had repelled all forces. It was now being destroyed beneath them. Constantine took his full efforts to try, to try to retain the morale of the city, visiting churches and increasing the frequency of the bells. On the walls, the generals tried to use their guns to counteract the bombardment. However, they were inefficient and lacked the range. In addition, the structure of the walls didn't support cannon fire. It was too outdated. With that, they could only watch as the bombardments took place. Mehmet had a strategy. He would conduct the 1400s version of the Blitzkrieg in that he would continue his bombardment for 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, hoping to exhaust the defenders and destroy their morale. It lasted from April 12th through the 18th. However, there was a disadvantage. The guns weren't in shape to continue with this frequency. Orban worried about the stability of these cannons and the fractures beginning to form within them. He warned Mehmet, but Mehmet wanted to conduct his all-out strategy. According to legend, this is how Orban died, loading the cannon and dying when it fragmented after an explosion. Meanwhile, there's a new development from Hungary. John Haidai Hunyadi, John Hunyadi had sent a representative to Mehmet. In this, he declared that John was giving up his regency. As a result, their peace treaty was no longer active. A third force could have been pivotal in the battle, and the Ottomans feared help from the west. Within the wall, within the, the city, the walls began to collapse. The 120 volleys a day did considerable damage. However, the soldiers were holding charge. As they put it, they began to get accustomed to the weapons, their sounds, and their effects building resistance to the efforts by the sultan. Giostani used all efforts to repair the walls, using stakes as foundation and using any material possible to refill the gaps. The women and soldiers worked day and night to duct tape the structure, and in large part, it worked. Outside the walls, the fight within the moats carried on. The, attacker, the attackers used all possible materials in hopes of plugging these up. In return, the defenders sent out groups to detest them and dig them deeper. The resulting action was close fighting, with most of the Ottomans serving as cannon fodder for those on the walls. Having repurposed their cannons, they turned them into slug shots, firing multiple small rounds at immense speed at close range. 
wreaking havoc on the attackers. Unfortunately for them, by April 18th, Mehmet and his army had done a good enough job in the valley at filling the moat that they could launch a sustained attack. With that, they launched their first ground assault, screaming battle cries as they approached the wall under supporting fire. In a four-hour skirmish, the defenders used their close-range superiority to best the Ottomans, sending them retreating. However, collapsing from exhaustion from the attack, in the morning, there was peace. Constantine gave permission for the Ottomans to retrieve their corpses, but burned their infiltration materials. For now, Constantine prayed for reprisal. However, Mehmet had something else in mind. Alright, we see the first attacks uh, take place in this chapter, and we finally see the culmination of the cannons. Any thoughts? Yeah. Uh, your quote here made me think of something that I had read. Having repurposed their cannons, they turned them into slug shots. The author noted that with the smaller cannons, they started just firing them on, on the soldiers. And uh, blast was so violent that it could go through one person, then through another, and then hit a third person. Like cleanly through two people. Imagine a two hundred pound cannonball. That's how you die. It just goes clean through you. Yeah, I mean, well, it's also it's just like small, smaller balls. Just like it's basically just imagine yeah, like tennis size like walnut. Ball. Yeah. I think you said yeah. It was like a walnut size. And just, uh, like, even like a shotgun even shot, but like cannon. It was like basically they created a shotgun, basically, in medieval time. Yeah, I, I use the word slug shot. Maybe I should have. Maybe that's not the right word, but uh, I uh, I thought the part where they were going to attack the the Ottomans are going to attack the wall and they were sending like the I think it was the slaves, but I could be wrong about that. But whoever they, they were sending people up to the wall and then they didn't want to have the bodies just stacked up at the wall. And they wanted to like keep, bring them back to camp and give them like I don't know if they were burying him or what, but they didn't want to leave him at the wall. So they send one person up he'd die then they'd send like two people to go get him and they'd both like i was reading that i was like oh my god like they're just running up kind of like dying with the old breed like that that conundrum of like do i go like try to retrieve someone yeah someone on my side like if it's worth my yeah worth my life to do it don't know what the i don't know if the reason was religious or if they wanted to clear base area around the wall so they weren't trampling over bodies there was also a lot of talk about the sanitation of dead bodies and how it blood and and yeah they were just burning bodies yeah it leaked into their water supply uh there's always like you want to protect your dead bodies like you don't want someone mutilating the corpses so it's like we'll see that later on (laughs) (laughs) it did seem a little impractical though just to keep sending people up there to die I think Mehmet just had so many bodies to throw at it that he just wasn't, he wanted to do what he wanted to do, and that was gonna, that's kind of what was gonna happen. I think the author's trying to tell you from his findings through the historical documents that Mehmet was a little impatient. A little? Yeah, um, okay, yeah. I mean, obviously impatient. So, I mean, he's just like, he's not willing, like, honestly, the siege, if they were just to take control of the sea and not let any food come into the City, the city probably would have collapsed upon itself. Just encircle it. That's what I thought. Like originally, it's yeah. I think the counterpoint to that is that they had heard tidings and rumors about help from the west, and John Hyundai, John Honda, was uh, Hyundai was coming to Hyundai was coming to reprieve the uh, the Greeks. 
I think that was the fear. They're they're scared of one the Hungarians and then also the Italians joining the fight. I thought I thought the the author does not fail to mention the psychological effects of or the <laughs> the battles. But it I it actually was kind of cool because you in this day and age like you don't. I mean, it's kind of like imagine it's like old age Twitter. It's like you don't know what's actually going on over there, so you're just like. <laughs> But that's just sitting there getting news like, oh, do I believe this or do I just? And then... They're thinking a sunny day means that they're going to win the war. Like, with the God. Yeah. They're looking up at the moon. <laughs> yeah. But I, I said it earlier before the meeting started, we'll get to the volcanic eruption. I imagine, imagine there's a volcanic eruption halfway across the world. And now all of a sudden the sky is full of ash and you're in the middle of a siege. I'd be. Game of Thrones asking you. And you're deeply religious. It's like, uh... I'd, I'd think the world would be <laughs> Yeah. And people travel less way back then, too. So, like, their world is basically Constantinople. And very limited outside of it, so... I was thinking about how you said that was the first planned artillery... Or the first artil- artillery to attack in the world. Jesus Christ. Uh... Imagine just being like a citizen on the inside of the wall, and all of a sudden you you just like you just feel boom for like the first time, and then it just continues for like days and days, just like weeks. Yeah, like you're just sitting in there and just constant earthquakes. Yeah, the author was kind of pointing that it was like a shocking moment in history. It was like the like first time someone's ever encountered something like that. Like they'd seen yep. guns, but they'd not seen like. Uh, the Ottomans were advanced. Yeah. Like really cannons, very... artillery. He did not fail, fail to mention the uh all the citizens of Constantinople too, like just being in awe at everything. Like <laughs> in, in my <laughs> next like chapter. Sitting, just like yeah. the wall <laughs> but they see they're just like the wall. And then they go, Look at that. Look at the size of that fleet. <laughs> and then they <laughs> I can just see them like mining. bro. They're doing what? <laughs> You're just you're you're like a twelve year old kid, and you know if they get inside the walls, you're becoming a slave, and you're just like, oh, dude, there's no way they got this. <laughs> they go. I I last ditch effort to the virgin. I was rooting for the people of Constantinople to lose so bad, like the fact that they thought <laughs> the mother of God was somehow gonna like safeguard them from attack if the uh, the Ottomans got inside the wall is hilarious to me. All right, uh, chapter All right. nine. With that, chapter nine, a win from God, April 1st to 420, 1453. Uh, 420, 420, on 420, <laughs> they decided to take a break from the war. All met halfway, smoked some Listen to some Rasta music. <laughs> turned on reggae, turned on some They had the tambourines going. They all took a break. <laughs> it was a day of peace, and then they got back after it, back at it on 421 but we'll get to that later um chapter brought nine. reggie reggie to the party and that was pissed all right chapter nine a win from god there's something else that tyler was referencing in this beautiful cliffhanger was the met's other new weapon his fleet it is said that this fleet was made up of around 12 to 18 full war galleys i'm still confused on what these are as we talked about in the pre-meeting 70 to 80 smaller boosts also confused what this is, and about 25 Parandarias. This one kind of sounds like a prehistoric dinosaur, but it turns out it might be a transfer barge. 
and a plethora, shout out Christian, of smaller messenger boats, which adds to an estimated grand total of 140 boats in this fleet. Most of the ships that were at anchor in the Golden Horn during this time were merchant sailing ships, which had incredibly high poops. The first sighting of the Ottoman fleet was on April 12th. Citizens gathered to watch a large number of ships appearing on the horizon. <laughs> you gotta stop laughing. Sorry, that was a very elementary joke, but it got me. <laughs> I was gonna say it, I almost put in just like Jason Kelsey against the, the Bills, had very large poops. Uh, the first battle at sea ended up going to the defenders. The Ottomans were no match for the high poops of the merchant ships. And merchantmen themselves <laughs> were able to drop heavy rocks into the galleys to sink them, and that underestimated the difficulty of using the cannons aboard ships that were constantly swaying in the sea. And after losing multiple ships, Baltalglu withdrew his ships and retreated back to the double columns. Pope Nicholas heard of what was happening in Constantinople and had three Genoese merchant ships sent to try and relieve the defenders. Amet, having already experienced trouble at the land wall and embarrassment once at sea, galloped down to the, the double columns to give Baltaglu and his men one simple message, either to take the sailing ships and bring them to him, or never to come back alive. Citizens of Constantinople and men of the Ottoman army watched on as what once was the Golden Horn. This could be wrong. I actually don't know where this happened. I think it was the Golden Horn. Could have easily been mistaken as land as there were ships covering the majority of the water as the Ottomans tried to raid the merchant ships. After countless deaths and injuries, Emet went back on his one simple message and ordered his men just to retreat. That night, two Venetian galleys were dispatched, and they sounded multiple trumpets and shouted with numerous voices on both well, yeah, on both ships to discourage Mehmet and his fleet from further pursuit. Mehmet was stunned at what he had witnessed and rode away on horseback, upset with what he had just witnessed. That was a horrible sentence. <laughs> Maybe I should reread these every once in a while. That was good. Great job, Kevin. Thanks. I don't know why that lesson is so funny to me. Yeah. <laughs> what he had witnessed and rode away on horseback, upset with what he had just <laughs> A lot of witnessing. When I wrote that, <laughs> drilling home the message. He's doing a lot of witnessing. He did not enjoy what he witnessed. I'll put it out. Stunned, flabbergasted, frustrated. Oh, irate. I mean, it is. I seriously, it is interesting. Like how how many ships Mehmet had built in preparation of this event, and. It was basically, they just like tie, I don't know, this event it was when they tied the four ships together and they just like absolutely demolished the other ships because they couldn't reach them. It's basically like a tall kid holding up, like when your dad used to hold up something above you when you're like, you were a little kid and you couldn't reach it. That was basically the Ottomans on their ship. I was confused. It sounds, like sounds like a first person uh, experience. Ty. Yeah, I was going to say, I can't relate. Um. The the galleys they made no sense to me because they were like long and narrow, and then they had like six rowers per row, and you do like three. It made no sense. Like what? How are they gonna fight with those? Or are those just to like transport troops? 
I think they were like used for speed. Like they're supposed to be highly maneuverable. Because like, just think of like a modern day rowboat, like like a row, like a row team. Yeah, that's what basically what they were. They were. I said some of the oars were like ginormous. Yeah, the galleys. They had like higher like... walls. They had like higher walls, but they were like sitting on the water, basically. If that makes sense. I, they were like. I think you're underneath. Yeah, you're underneath the. Uh, you're underneath the deck, deck for sure. No, the poop deck is in the back. All I know is the merchant ships. He did not fail to mention that they had just ginormous poops. There you go. I threw in a picture. He's that. You can you can see what a galley looks like. Oh, okay. I was picturing something way smaller, like smaller as in like height wise. Like, I don't know. So, the but poop, then they, didn't they say the poop would be the back of that? Didn't they say the merchant ships just like tied rocks to a string and just dropped it in the middle and then they just sunk? <laughs> we get on. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's wood, so it's like, if you could drop something heavy heavy with the four... I think you're underestimating how high their ships actually were. Like, the opposing ships were probably a good yeah. story or two above them. Probably two or three stories above them. So it's like, imagine getting pelted with rocks from above, and all you can do is look up and try to throw grappling hooks up at them. Yeah. And ladders. One and then when you parts. climb the ladder, you get to the top, and then your hand gets chopped off. They're also just shooting guns at these things and like the whatever the little pellets they're using. I don't know what they're using or just bouncing off the hole. Yeah, it's not shooting powerfully enough. Because you can't like the cannons that were on land are way too heavy to put on a ship. So it's like, yeah. You know, they and then the author mentioned that it took a while for cannons to make their way fully on ships. Like even past these events. So. Um, Why don't you just shoot at the masts and disrupt their ability to navigate? Well, I don't think the Byzantine fleet was actually really moving. They were just kind of sitting there waiting for close-range combat almost. Nah, I think I'm on to something. You would have been a hero in this time, <laughs> Christian. I know, I know. Christian would have been impaled. <laughs> In the arse. All right. Chapter 10. Virals of Blood. 420 to April 28th. It was obvious that Mehmet's new fleet, which originally had stunned the Christians, was no match for the experience of Western seamanship. After experiencing multiple failures, it was brought to Mehmet's attention that he was losing the faith of his men back at the camp. Mehmet knew he had to act quickly. On April 21st, Mehmet rode down to the double columns from his camp in Maltep with what was said is 10,000 horse. I don't know if that means men on horse or if there were just 10,000 <laughs> horses following him down to the, yeah, to to the double gods. It literally says, like, in quotes, it says, followed by 10,000 horse. <laughs> wonder if they're yeah. saying, like, he had a, he had the best horse of them all that was worth 10,000. I don't know. Anyways, after two embarrassing defeats at sea, and that decided... <laughs> Christian... <laughs> <laughs> in my, in my backsling back after the two embarrassing defeats at sea Mehmet decided it was time to get rid of Baltaglu Mehmet sentenced him to death many of Mehmet's men begged Mehmet not to do it as Baltaglu had already lost one eye and suffered many injuries from the first two battles at sea that's crazy putting down old yeller but Mehmet had made up his mind already it is unsure how he was actually killed but I will share the more gruesome version Mehmet had Baltaglu's limbs tied to four corners and used his five-pound golden whip to lacerate him. 
until one of his men decided to drop a massive stone on his head and then gouge his remaining eye out. Tough. While all this was going on, Mehmet had ordered his men to continue firing at the wall. The Christians on the inside of the wall believed that the Ottomans had just attacked with 10,000 troops, that they would have gotten inside the walls and taken over the city, but Mehmet was preoccupied. This allowed for the Christians to start repairing what was left of the wall to reinforce it. This is when Mehmet came up with his master plan to transport his naval army over land. They created what sounded like a Minecraft railway and slapped the boats on top and hauled them inland to launch into the horn. Mehmet made his men pretend to row as their boats were dragged along the tracks by oxen soldiers. Mehmet may have been losing the war, but Roger Crowley, in parentheses the author, does not fail to mention once again that Mehmet was winning the psychological war. The other, well, the author, yeah, wow, that's really bad. The author mentions the ergonomics of the trip and how it was mostly uphill and seemed like an impossible feat. Could have just been aliens, though. But nonetheless, Mehmet's shifts were now in good position. Constantine, hearing of the news, knew he had to counter it. His men came up with the idea to go out at night and burn the Ottoman ships that were closely packed together with Greek fire. After a four-day delay because the Genoese found out about the sneak attack and wanted to play a role, the men finally headed out on April 28th. Giacomo Coco, who originally came up with the plan, bailed on it in the first few minutes and rode past the larger ships that were supposed to protect his small Buste. His ships were instantly hit by a cannon, rip. Long story short, the Ottoman naval army was able to hold the sneak attackers off and ultimately won this battle. The Met was able to capture some of the men who were on Coco's boat and impaled their rectums and staked them into the ground for the whole city to see. Constantine said, I'll match, and hung all of the Turkish prisoners from inside of the city on the outer walls for their comrades to see. Somehow, someway, this caused the fighting in the war to become even more savage and brutal than before. I like this chapter. Yeah, this yeah. chapter was nuts. I think I I will say I think... I'll point to one of the pictures at the front of the book. If you go, there's no page numbers, but it's the one that's the particular map of um, Constantinople. Like it illustrates what they did with um, crossing the boats over land. As you can see, there's like the chain in between right under the Bosporus. And to get around that, they just walked them into the Golden Horn to over land. So it's kind of interesting to see that. What was the town up there? Uh, was it Lada? They yeah, had to go Galata, around yeah. Galata. Yeah. Which was an Italian town which was impartial to the war going on, and they actually traded with both the Byzantines and the Ottomans. They were basically like a city state. Yeah. I loved how I loved how Mamet made them like row and bang the drums and chant as they were like getting pulled by the ox over the like bringing as much attention to it as possible just to scare the citizens. Like even that's like all I feel like that's all he was trying to do was just make everybody inside the city just be so scared. Well, I don't even think they knew they mentioned that they had no idea this was even happening, which is just, I don't know how that... I think they didn't know the railway was being built, but then, didn't they? Because I thought he said something that, like, the citizens were scared once they saw. I think they like, just saw the ships in the water, and they just, like, randomly appeared. Yeah, I think it was, like, the first time they, they saw it in the water. Those within Constantinople, they saw it in the water, and they're like, uh, how did they get there? Because I think they used, like, the cannon fires diversion, I thought, right? Yeah. 
they started firing their yeah. cannons at a higher frequency to divert their attention. It's crazy. So that was 100, 100 IQ play. First smart this, play uh, I've ever met. This Coco guy coming up with a grand plan and then just going completely rogue. I think I think it was a it was a thing where he wanted the credit, you know. Yeah, he's probably pissed that it got held up. Only <laughs> if he's successful, like the only thing that gets written in the history books is like Coco probably came up with this plan, <laughs> probably on on April twenty third. Instead, he comes up with the plan. It gets delayed for four days, and then he gets slaughtered. If he, well, I mean, what's the plan though? He's sailing in a small ship, and he just goes rogue. Well, he was supposed to stay behind the big merchant ships to like, because they were gonna. What if he was a spy? What if he was? What if he was a spy? I think this had to be someone playing for the. You, you think? You think? Uh, you think there's a conspiracy that he never died because it said he sank. Yeah, I think he. I think he was set up. Okay. You think he's he was alive back somewhere? or? Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. back to shore with the others, and that's why some people probably saw him swimming that way. They followed him, and they all got their asses staked. Or, or the, or the, everyone who just told them that not to shoot the boat that I'm on, or sink oh. it, sink it, and then we'll swim. The the, the same, two leaders. Oh, go ahead. No, I I probably shouldn't. <laughs> go ahead. I said the two leaders throwing up dead bodies at each other is is insane. <laughs> Like I'll match. They wrote they wrote the constant constancy to like just threw them out on ropes and they're like swinging in the wind in circles. Um, this the staking is so like hanging. I'd I'd way rather be hanged than the way they the author described the staking is like it's a sharp oh. metal pole. <laughs> they use like they use like a you know it, and then you just you're a flagpole. Get turned into oh. a flag. This is why you just basically it's just you, you don't surrender yeah. in these times. You just go down fighting. You just gotta like. I, yeah, we'll see. We'll see that in chapter twelve. Oh, dude. Also, I was gonna say I don't, I don't get the naval warfare. Like, why? It's nothing that the ships do to interrupt the, the siege on land. Like they're just sitting there. I think it's just born. They can't get resupplied. They have control of the water. And the way I understood it was more so like to to make sure they spread their resources a little bit more thin across yeah. the border in general. Because if you had attacks from multiple sides, you had to divert some troops from the the land side to the sea side just to make sure that no one was trying to. I think Mehmet didn't want the Italian ships coming in and resupplying the army with food because. He knew they were going to run weak on food, so ultimately they had to take control of the sea, which yeah. they ultimately. That was the original, yeah. And that when they block, I, I still don't understand the geography. When they were at like the double columns, was that blocking basically everything that was coming in? The double column, the double columns, they couldn't get in because of the chain into the city. If that makes sense. So that's why they transported. Oh no, the, I see it. That's why they, they transported the. But could they block like the Italians from coming in? Like, is that where they would enter? Mm. They enter through the chain. No, they would come from the Sea of Marmara, I think, right? Huh. Because uh, the Bosphorus, uh, in, the Bosphorus was on the way into Asia. Yeah, the Black Sea. 
There's the so, Eleutherian Harbor down there, I would imagine. Yeah. That they could pull ships yeah. in there. I mean, it's probably easier to pull ships in from the south, too. I mean, cause so, but if they wanted to train with Galata, then they would have to use that other harbor. Yeah. The Profashian Harbor. I just felt like, I felt like they mentioned, they didn't really mention, like, any of the sea, or the naval ships being in the Sea of Marmara, but I could be. Because the, because, what's his name, Gallipoli, that, that naval base was, uh, is south of the Sea of Marmara on this map, if that makes sense. Um. All right. Got Who's got chapter 11? That's me. Chapter 11. Terrible Engines, April 25th through May 28th, 1453. Uh, after the disaster for the Byzantines and their attempt to destroy the Ottoman inner fleet, Italian-on-Italian violence ensued. The Venetians blamed the Genoese. The, is that what it is? Genoans, not Genoese. I don't Genoese, know. The Genoese blamed Genoese. the Venetians. Uh, most likely, Constantine intervened personally in the conflict. Regardless of who was to blame, the defending fleet was unable to relax with the Ottomans inside the Horn and outside at the Columns. Constantine, Constantine decided he needed to keep. Constantine decided he needed to keep them on their toes. The Greeks fired at the Turk fleet inside the horn with two cannons 700 yards away the ottomans reciprocated and the two parties fired back and forth at each other for 10 days resulting in a stalemate this inspired mehmet to take on an artillery campaign of his own mehmet for some time had been considering how to bombard the ships at the boom given that the walls at galata lay within the line of fire the solution was a cannon with a looping traje trajectory the Cannon downed one neutral Genoese merchant ship and opened fire on the city of Galata. The result was more psychological. Shout out Kevin for that mention. Only one person was killed. I kind of thought this was funny. Uh, a woman of excellent reputation who was standing in the middle of a group of 30 people. How, If you know you're being bombarded, like just look up and take a few steps to the side. Anyways. At the land wall, Mehmet kept on incessant fire. At the end of April, the bombardment brought down about 30 feet from the top of the wall. Mehmet called for an impromptu attack. With huge difficulty, the attack was repulsed. However, exhaustion, hunger, and despair were beginning to take a toll on the defenders. There were complaints of hoarding, cowardice, profiteering, and obstruction. Rifts started to open up across the fault lines of nationality, language, and creed. Amid the growing despair, a move was made to convince Constantine to leave the city. His reply was, no, my lords, no, I will die here with you. On May 6, Mehmet decided it was time for a knockout blow. His cannons fired for two days straight, then a massive assault was aimed at a breach in the wall. An ISO was called between the leaders of the defenders and the assailants. Rangabes for the Greeks and Omar Bey for the Turks. Rangabes... <laughs> Rangabes prevailed, but then the Ottoman troops slashed him to pieces. The assault was squashed, but the Greeks felt a massive dread over the loss of their leader. Mehmet and the Ottomans attempted, attempted some other recurring attacks, one on the land wall where the Theodosian wall made its awkward juncture, another on the St. Romanus Gate, 
and another with the entire Ottoman fleet on the Greek ships in the boom. All attempts were thwarted by the tiring defenders. Uh, in here, there was uh, a big piece about a mobile tower, which Mehmet just erected out of nowhere. And it, when light came on one of the days, <laughs> never awesome. not going to try to recall this. They burned it down with fire. Basically, they realized, oh, this is made out of camel skins that throw fire at it, and they burned it down. I think it was a diversion, so they, they had a tower on top of the, the big trench that the Greeks had built, and so it was a way for them to easily get to and from that trench and fill it in, but it failed. Mehmet had another trick up his sleeve, mining. He had conscripted a band of skilled Slavic silver miners for the campaign, the first attempt at digging a mine under the wall was sniffed out by soldiers on the ramparts who heard the clinking of pickaxes and the sound of muffled voices. As a result, they remained alert to underground mining, and Constantine assigned John Grant, a skillful German soldier, as the counter to the Slavic miners. All in all, the Saxon miners worked tirelessly for 10 days and built 14 tunnels, but Grant destroyed them all. Uh, so basically, this chapter is... Uh, Mehmet coming up with new ideas and them failing. This was this started turning the Minecraft right around here for me. <laughs> they were building like the redstone, redstone like automated towers and like mining shit and putting rail carts to move the ships and stuff. I was like, <laughs> they created like a land bridge too, or something like some bridge to cross. Yeah, I, yeah. I left that part out. A pontoon bridge, they called it. Yeah. I was trying to... the, the Turks not reacting I... the 1v1 was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They did respect it until their guy lost and then they just hacked him to pieces. <laughs> uh, I want to know how that unfolded. Like, uh, he was in the city gates and the guy was probably calling up, like, face me one on one, pussy. And then he comes down from the gates. He, 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 like, jumps off his thing, does, like, a 360 and, like, tosses <laughs> an axe just to see if he could go out, like, lucky. He's trying to end up on ill cams for then, face. Yeah. At the end, too, there was, I guess, a massive scramble to, to retrieve his body. So the Ottoman response was just to hack the body into a million pieces so that there was no body to recover. <laughs> I think the one guy, the Turkish guy, just got he just got sliced into it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> bro got cut in half like he's Darth Maul. Too bad they didn't have GoPros. But... <laughs> he's so electric. <laughs> recover the tape. Recover the tape. Oh my god. Um, I don't know it. There's not much other thoughts. I mean, it is just Mimet coming up with any idea. It's like his first idea is throw every body at the wall. And that was like, okay, that probably won't work because then all the bodies pile up and our guys can't move forward. Then the next idea was the ships, which also sort of failed, but then sort of works. And then the next idea was these towers that just got burned down and all the logs just got destroyed that they used to cover up the ditches and then, or the moat. And then the next idea was mining. The The mining was actually a good idea, but it seemed like they they found that one Germanic guy. I don't know what his name was. That it was basically, Grant. he put like water tables 
like right at the edge of the walls and if he could see if they were rippling that meant people were destroying the foundation underneath it it was actually kind of brilliant yeah that was cool and then just collapse the walls on the all the people that'd be horrific that that warfare in the mines would be awful it's like getting smoked out or poisoned out or flooded if that tunnel collapses you just suffocate to death I, I love the author was like, yeah, they got like gassed and some, and then he said, I swear he said something about like a stink bomb. Yeah, I think they mentioned that. <laughs> Throw some axe body spray down in there. He said evil sense. Evil. All right, chapter twelve. Finish this off. The only, only thing he didn't try was aerial attack, but yeah. All right, chapter twelve. Omens importance. May 24th to 26th. Morale in Constantinople was deteriorating quickly as the siege continued past day 45. Despite the growing sense that the end of the end was near, the spiritual presence remained ever. The spiritual presence remained. This idea climaxed on May 24th when an eclipse could be seen from the city, which caused panic within the city. Uh, as a last-ditch effort, the city held an offering to the Virgin for protection. Unfortunately, their luck, their luck had run out in classic fashion, as the Virgin icon fell on fell in the mud and the storm followed. The Virgin had told the people of Constantinople to go fuck themselves. And with this, the spirit of the city was lost. Constantine vowed to go down with the ship while Gustantiani hit the Shoelace Express out of town. The weather also deteriorated as a grayish cloud encircled the city due to a massive volcanic explosion of Kuwait, which could, be, which could explain the weird events happening around the city. Shocker, it wasn't God sending a message. In the last ditch effort to destroy morale, on the Ottoman side, Constantine created a hoax that a Hungarian force was en route, en, en route as a backup. It worked as Mehmet uh, was pushed towards a crucial decision. He had to capitalize on the progress made he had made in the city. Uh, so he sent Ismail, a nobleman, to discuss the remaining options. Surrender the city, death by sword, or conversion to Islam. Constantine would rather die than surrender, and Mehmet therefore readied for a final assault. Mehmet then calls to the bullpen and brings up the ringers, the priests, to fire up the troops for a final attack. And I said, somewhere in Buffalo, Doug McDermott is tearing up the joy. <laughs> um, I didn't end. I didn't end. Uh, really understand the last part of my chapter, to be quite fair. But uh, that was my interpretation of what was going. Yeah, on. I think he's just firing up. He's using every resource to get because the a lot of the chapter was talking about how the morale was dropping within his own camp. Not only in Constantinople, but also his old camp, because they had been out there for six weeks at this point, and it didn't seem like they were necessarily making progress. Um, so he sent out his priests to kind of just basically use the Prophet Muhammad as motivation for why they need to make a final assault. Like, just religious reasons. That's what Mehmet said. Why not us, boys? And that was that. And Constantine's just saying, I'm going down with the city. Respect. Respect. He, you gotta go down with the ship. He's going down with the ship. He's, he's, I mean, I think he figures he'd probably die either way. So it's like. I mean, the man was a king. He, he's not like he lived a terrible way. Yeah. And he, he's probably, what was he, like 40 something? Like we talked about yeah, in the first meeting. I'll... I think he was like, yeah. In this yeah, he's good. Yeah. All right. Any any thoughts about uh, what's upcoming? I think the city um, falls. I'm worried. Worried for I'm who? worried that I'm worried for us as readers. 
<laughs> I really right. enjoyed the, the battle stuff, and I'm worried that it sounds like this is pretty near the end. And then I'm gonna, I'm wondering what's gonna. I'm also worried that we're gonna read some pretty gruesome stuff once they they take the city. That's what I'm curious about. I think in some circumstances the Ottomans show respect. They have this holy code that they seem to abide by. Uh, but also now the Mets soldiers are allowed three days of pillaging. We'll see how that goes. Uh, and also there has been some hatred that's been built up through these chapters. I think the, the impaling was maybe the, uh, the spark that hatred. Uh, so I don't know if that's going to come to a, uh, to a point when they take the city and what's going to happen to the, uh, the inhabitants i'd be out of there yeah, yeah i'd rather try to swim away and just drown we only have four more chapters so i think plus an epilogue so i would imagine and gusatani hit the yeeted on yeeted on the team uh he gave up i mean he's not he's not greek though so it kind of feels like he was there until the tidings were clear that they were going to lose and also he doesn't want to ruin his reputation so if he leaves now, he could be like, well, we were, I was defending the wall while I was there. And when I left, <laughs> who took over? <laughs> Fire him. He's dead. So. <laughs> <laughs> Hate to spoil. But uh, we also have some pictures. Any of the pictures stand out? It, it was kind of in the middle of all of this. So I don't know if anyone thought anything of them. Mm. was on page... Looks like Hogwarts maps. It's, it's one seventy-two. It's the start of it. So are are janissaries? Are they officers or are they just archers? What page is that on? Picture not gonna lie, I thought this whole time they were like, I thought they were just a group of people in the army. I like a I think you're right. Like, like not like a archer, not not like specific like that, like a group. I thought they were like below above slaves, but below like his actual soldiers. And I could be completely wrong. I I think they're actually I don't know. They're not his like uh his house soldiers. I think they're their own corps entirely. I think they're like noblemen, but they're paid swords. I see. A cool name. Janissary. I, I will say I think I think it's a little bit of propaganda that this guy's nickname is Mehmet the Conqueror. I mean I get that he ends up conquering the city, but at some points it just seems like his plans are so idiotic. I mean the only reason he's winning this battle necessarily is because he has more people. He's the most innovative man in all the land. Yeah. I mean, he he he's a nepo kid. His dad set him up for extreme success, and then he's taking all the credit. What do you mean he's an entrepreneur? I'm not trying to disrespect the audience. Mm. I'm saying I I think his dad was impressive. He just seems like he's taking what his dad built and trying to claim glory for it. Yeah, you, that does bring up the question. Like, if they had a more, I I want to say competent, but I also am going to say competent leader. Like, would they have? taking over the city faster and with less casualties because I'm curious to see how many how much of their 200,000 person army is left by the end because it just seems like all his people just keep dying like in every 
in every feat. They charge the wall, they get repulsed. They charge the wall, they get repulsed. They yeah. mine, they get caves collapsed on them, they go to sea, they get rocks dropped on them, and they'll die. It is, it, I mean, I get that Constantinople, it would be tough looking up at, you know, four-story walls and trying to break into that. I'm not, you know, obviously it's tough, but, like, it seems like he has every resource in the world. But, maybe not. Alright, um... Any any lasting thoughts before we move on to our competition? I like the section of the book a lot more than the first section. So Same. I'd have to agree. I think the war was always going to be the most interesting part of this book. So curious to see where the third act goes for us. Yeah. I mean, there's only four chapters, so we'll see. I think it's only like eighty pages, so yeah, yeah, not too bad. I don't think we're gonna overstay our welcome. I think. We'll, we'll get this wrapped up. Um, all right. Uh, with that, it is a wonderful time of the week where we get to do our competition. So when we see you guys back, the viewers, I mean, uh, we will be playing Scriblio. All right. Welcome back, everyone. We're glad to have you back. Uh, we're going to enter the Scriblio portion of the uh, podcast now. So if you're listening on the podcast, please transition over to the YouTube as everything will make a lot more sense. Um, Everyone ready? Kevin, I think you're like the four-time defending champion at this. Yeah. should just honestly start teaming up against Kevin at this point because we... <laughs> hey. All right, let's go. Illusion. Try not to repeat words if they prop. <clears throat> we get a choice this time? Yes. Uh-oh. Uh-oh, Kevin. Uh-oh. Fold under pressure, huh? Uh-oh. Am <laughs> <laughs> I dumb? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Some are asking if he's washed. What could this it look like? It, it tells you how many letters. <laughs> I know. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. At the top of my screen, there were three... It was telling me there were only nope. three letters. No, it's yes. hidden. It's hidden. It's it's you don't oh, get the word count. Dang it. <laughs> dang it. Let's go. Uh oh. Good drawing. I'm so Got bad it. at drawing. I feel like that's why I always lose these by a far margin. Kevin's easily the best. Oh, God. How'd you get that? What? Uh-oh. I mean, it's I, not I, like I don't know best drawings, but... I don't know if I can make this... Oh, whoa. <laughs> what is happening? How is this three letters? It's, it's not, not three letters. Mine says... I said it's hidden, so you can't see how many... What the word count is. Oh. Fuck. <laughs> Okay, I should have listened. Right. Um, shit. Oh, God. <laughs> did we just... Did you just say to not repeat? 
I didn't yeah, have a choice. It was pickaxe or fire. That was my only two choices. How is this? People <laughs> more choices. All right, we got a close battle. Right I think here. if I give the bigger workout choices, we can, we can do it. Which I can't do. Oh. What the? I spelled it wrong. A lot of a lot of misspellings. I well, I typed in pale, and then I forgot the P in the second one. Yeah, I forgot the D in my first. One. You've got to be joking me! Oh. <laughs> you got Jasper. <laughs> I can't. I don't know how to spell it. Oh God! You need it. I don't know how to spell it. I do that. Why is he even gone? Oh. Uh -oh. <laughs> Why is he even gone? I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. <laughs> Come on. I love his hat. It's cat in the hat. It's Dr. Seuss. <laughs> 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 the amount of Jared guesses that are in there. Oh, it's Janissary. Hmm. Tough. Tough. <sighs> we got a lot of rounds. Dude, are you hitting me? We got a lot of rounds. I can't. I have to use this one because I can't use the other one. Oh God. oh, God. Okay. At least it's a new one. Dude, this is this is brutal. What? Who just guessed it? Oh God! Uh, I needed this to get back in the game. Uh, oh, I'm as confused as you. Oh, okay. I did not know oh, how to draw that. That's tough. That's tough. Yeah. <laughs> Impaled fire crossbow, crossbow pickaxe. We've talked about this. I don't know how well it's gonna do, but just just imagine that's built and how about that? Shit. Oh my god, it's a floating penis. <laughs> uh, I don't remember what did we talk about this. I guess I can't use white. Tyler kind of gave it away there. Yeah, I knew exactly what it was. I just spelled it wrong. Oh, oh my bad, my bad, my bad. Oh, oh it's devastating. <laughs> devastating. God damn it. Oh my god. Alright, after two rounds, me and uh, Kevin's up top again, of course. Oh, I made a comeback. I don't know why we shouldn't be shocked. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> whoa. Oh, no, he's guessing it again. What? <laughs> there we go. Oh, my God. I was the foot at first. Kevin's going to run away again. Oh, dude, I'm forced into this one. Kevin's just so good at guessing. 
I don't know what this is, I'm gonna be honest. Oh, I love that. That's gorilla yeah. grip. Look at that drawing. Wow. <laughs> the greatest handshake of all time. Kevin just keeps extending his lead. Stopping the force. What? What? How do I stop oh. this? <laughs> oh, I know this. <laughs> to outguess Kevin, that's the problem. Yeah, I know. Try the same thing. <laughs> what is it? What is it? Oh. How did Kevin get that in before me? That's insane. It's we're well, during the last round, Kevin. It's once That's again really ran away with the competition. How to make a comeback. When does happen? Hookers. Oh my god. Coming against his religion <laughs> on <everything>. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if these are so bad. Uh, no. My house. <laughs> oh. It's a bad effort. Okay. It's alright. It's alright. I think, I think, I think it's all but wrapped up. I think me finishing in last place. And Kevin finishing it first is a story for the ages. Huh? It's happy. <laughs> How do you not understand? It's it's a smiling brown thing. <laughs> what do you? How do I not understand? I'm joking with you. Uh, Twelve doesn't guess this. Oh. That's a pretty good drawing. Why smiling? I, I think I have a shot, guys. Kevin doesn't get this. I thought you guys were just going to guess it, so I just... You get 320 points for the first guess. Oh. Ron. Kevin, Kevin. Kevin's won it. What? That's a That's crazy insane. posture. That's a crazy <laughs> posture for that to happen. Oh, 
in doggy style. Why would you draw it like that? Why was he in doggy style? <laughs> Congrats to Kevin again. He's managed to win again. Unbelievable work. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's kind of Mickey Mouse at this point. I don't know if we should even count these. <laughs> we have to go back to trivia. <laughs> um, <Damn it. laughs> All right, Jared, send us out. Yeah, well, that was great. Uh, I think we're getting more competitive. It's getting closer. At least we didn't win by. Yeah, I was worried. I was trying hard at the end. But yeah, that was uh, meeting two for fourteen fifty three. And our next meeting, we'll be uh, finishing up this book, uh, giving our scores and our thoughts. I'm interested to see how this book turns out. Um, and then I think we'll be picking our next book. I don't know if we we're going back to the wheel. I don't know if we decided that yet, but we'll figure it out. I think it's just the wheel, and it's Kevin and Christian. It's Kevin and Christian. So anarchy. But it will be. It'll be we're going to take a little break for the pages too. So it'll be at the. Yeah, it will be probably like a maybe a month between this book and next, but whatever, um, whatever the result, I'm looking forward to next meeting. Um, we'll figure out an activity to do as well. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to next week, and we'll catch you guys. See ya. Bye. Peace.